Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. We had a great first service, and uh, as Gil said, it was a packed house. In fact, for a long time while they were doing the baby stuff, I just stood in the back because I couldn't find anywhere to sit. But a few folks cleared out after the dedication, and there were a few seats available. And it was great to see that new life in our church. In the 8 o'clock hour, and then I know they had it again at the 9.30 hour. You know, God's blessing our church, guys. Lots of young families here, lots of children, a lot of great senior adults here, a lot of every age group. We're truly blessed, and we have a lot to be thankful for. And I'm very thankful that I'm a part of what God's doing here. And I look forward to what's coming down the road. Today we're going to continue our study in Acts as we look, about, look at what it means to be the church. And when I say the church, I mean you and 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 yes, me. We are the church. We are what makes up the church. Some folks think that the church is this building here on this corner or the other buildings or the building we hope to build real soon. But the church is actually the people. The people that make up the church are what the church is really all about. Today I want to think a, a little bit about one of the things that the very first church did once it was commissioned by Jesus to go into the world and begin to make disciples. Our text is going to be Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. I'd invite you to, to find that text and turn there, and we'll take a look at it in just a moment. It's Acts 3, verses 1 through 10. I've entitled my message, Who is at Your Gate? Who is at Your Gate? And I hope that when we're finished today, you'll be able to answer that question. Multiple times, I hope. Before we get into the text, let me tell you a little bit about what God has been doing around here the last couple of weeks. To be honest with you, it's been amazing and astonishing to see what God is doing. Just like you, a couple of weeks ago, I saw a report on WLBT one afternoon, maybe it was Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, about a local church here in Florida, just across the tracks there. <clears throat> the story told us how the church had some conflict within the, the body and the church decided to close its doors. And boy, that, that broke my heart just to think about a church closing its doors. Not only did the church close its doors, but the, the ministry to the community, the food pantry, the benevolence ministry, all those ministries also shut their doors. And I thought, man, that, that's terrible. How, how can people do that? How can you shut out folks who really need help? Well, there was some strife in the church and some locks were changed and some keys weren't given out and that's what happened. Uh, the next day, back at work, I, I thought about that again. God put it on my heart and I, I was trying to think about, well, what could we do or how could we help or any those kind of things. And as I was driving home that afternoon, Monday afternoon, two weeks ago, I got a phone call from the Mississippi Food Network folks and those are the people that we get our food from and they supply most of the food pantries in Mississippi, and they do a very good job at that. Uh, the lady, Miss Cassandra, said, was there any way that you guys at First Baptist Church Florida can maybe help the folks that are without a food pantry? And I thought, well, we help about 15 to 20 people a week, but you want us to help 200? <laughs> I kind of laughed to myself. I thought, we don't have that kind of food. We don't have those kind of resources. There's, there's no way we could help 200 folks. She said, well, if you can get some folks together, I can get you some food. And I thought, oh, my goodness, that, that's a lot of folks. That's a lot of bag of groceries. That's a lot of cans. <laughs> but she said, uh, if you can do that, we, we can make it happen. So it didn't take long for God to tell me, you know, we, we need to try to help. 
that's why I put that video in your path a couple of days ago, and that's why I put that on your heart today. And it wasn't just me that God put that on the heart. Uh, a lot of people stepped up. We went and brought back several big, huge uh, carabiners of food, big plastic containers that had thousands of cans of food in them. They weren't sorted either, so we had to sort them, stack them, sort them, put them on a shelf, put them in bags. And then that Wednesday of that week, from Monday to Wednesday, we were able to begin distributing food to those clients who had their door shut at their church for that reason. And I'm, I'm grateful to the many folks who stepped up and made that happen, uh, to the folks who said, I, I don't have a good back or I don't have a strong arm, but I'll do what I can. And we had all kinds of folks, some young folks, some median age folks, and some senior folks. Everybody was over there helping. It was a great to see. And we continued that with the folks from Yazoo City, again, their church. And then yesterday... We gave away more food through our ministry than we've ever given away. So it's been well over 200 folks who've received food when we were used to doing 20 folks. So can God do some great things? Yes, He can. If we become the church and we are the church. I invite you to, to take your text and let's look at it. Acts 3, 1-10. through 10. Would you please stand as we read this scripture together? <clears throat> One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money or for alms. Peter looked straight at him and said to John, then Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this message, this word that you've given us today. I thank you, Father, that we can learn from it and that, Father, we can take these teachings and apply them in our lives and that we can go and be the church that you've called us to be. Father, thank you that all throughout Scripture you give us great guidance and instruction. And Father, I just pray today that we can take these and that we can apply them in our lives and we can be all that you've called us to be. It's in Jesus that I pray. Amen. Please be seated. I want to take a minute and back up and help us understand how we got to this point, how we got to the point where Peter and John were able to heal this man. As you recall, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the disciples became fearful. They feared that all that Jesus told them would happen would happen no more. They became scared, and before long they scattered. In fact, many of the disciples went back home. They went back to family and friends. Some even went back to the lifestyle that they were used to. But it's wonderful to know that Jesus didn't give up on these disciples and He certainly hasn't given up on His church and upon us as the folks who make up the church. Jesus began to, to gather these disciples back together. In fact, 
He took about 40 days after the death, burial, and resurrection, resurrection to make sure that the disciples understood, hey, game's still on, guys. It's time to get after it, and let's make this happen. Right before Jesus ascended into heaven finally for the last time, he told the disciples that they would receive power. And when they got this power, it was in Acts 1.8, when they got this power, they could do wonderful and miraculous things. And that's, that's what happened. That's what this story is telling us about. Right after the disciples received the power from the Holy Spirit, we know that the church was birthed. In fact, the disciples were going about cities and towns and preaching and teaching in different languages. And, and folks were astonished because the disciples didn't know all those languages. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, they were able to do that. And people were being saved and added to the kingdom and added to the church. And the church grew and the church became what God and Jesus initially designed the church to be a household of help, a household of ministry, a way, a place where people could come and find a way, a way to have a Savior and a way to be helped and to be served and to be uh, drawn closer to Christ. Disciples were scattered, but Jesus brought them back and now it was time for them to get to work. We see in our text that one of the, the first wonders and signs that they did was healing of this man. Peter and John were filled with the Holy Spirit and it was evident that that was the case. You know, a lot of times we as Christians, especially leaders, try to do things without being prayed up, without being filled up, filled up with the Holy Spirit. You know, God gave us the Holy Spirit as a comforter, as a helper. And when we don't take advantage of that, we're missing out on some of the wonderful things that God has planned for us and God has in store for us. In our text, we see that the temple is the setting. This is the place that, that Peter and John were going to. In fact, it was an everyday occurrence for Peter and John to go. Three times a day, they would go for sacrifice and for prayers. At this particular time, three in the afternoon, they were going uh, to pray. And as they went into the temple through this beautiful gate, which, by the way, was 75 feet tall and 75 feet wide. I don't know about you, but that's a big gate. The biggest gate I got is about 12, 14 feet wide. 75 feet is a big gate. And it was covered with brass. It was beautiful. One of the most beautiful gates at any temple. Well, as they were getting ready to go in, they noticed this guy, this lame guy. They found the lame man who had been lame from birth. In fact, the lame man had been brought there every day of his life. As I read that, I thought, he's got to have some really good friends to bring him to the temple every single day of his life to beg for food. Wow, that in itself is a ministry and a mission. I'm sure that he was grateful that he had folks who would do that. But he was there begging for money for alms so that he could have something to eat. He wasn't really thinking about anything beyond that. All he was looking for was some food. When we read on in our text, we see that God had something better in mind than money, right? God had something better. And you know, when you think about it, we look at God this way or look at God this way, but usually God has much better things in mind for us. And it's important for us to lift our eyes and see what He has for us. You see, God wanted to, to completely change His condition. He wanted to take Him from where He was to where God really wanted Him to be. The lame man felt that he really didn't have any other option. He just needed some food. He didn't want to starve. He didn't have a way to make any money to buy any food. He couldn't. And he knew that there was a strong tradition at this gate of folks giving money to those who were in need. So he was taken there every day. As I read that, I began to think about the, the beggars that I see and that you see pretty much on a weekly basis. 
Anytime I'm in Jackson and around St. Dominic or visiting folks in the hospital, I always go to those street corners and you you know there's always somebody there and they, they have some normal signs, hungry, need food, or they have some creative signs that catch your attention. Sometimes I'm in a hurry and I, to be honest with you, I kind of look the other way. I don't pay attention to them as much as I should. But when I have a little time, when I feel like God's impressing on me to look and to listen, I'll, uh, I'll stop and I'll ask one of them, you're hungry, what would you like to eat? I don't usually give them money unless God tells me to, but I will go get them something to eat. I'll go to McDonald's or Wendy's or whatever, circle back around and provide that food for them. You see, the guy at the, at the gate, he, he wasn't worried about anything other than getting something to eat. He really didn't think about what might happen at this encounter with, with Peter and John. Look what Peter said to him in Acts 3, 4 through 6. He said to him, look at us. Look at us. As I said, it's easy to look away when we don't want to be involved in someone's life. It's easy to look at that stoplight at Lakeland Drive and not look left or right at what's around you. But Peter and John were so engaged with this person that they wanted him to look in their eyes. I, I, I can imagine the lame guy was thinking, wow, these guys, they might really help me. Maybe I can get a lot of money today. He probably thought all kinds of things. He probably even thought that maybe the money that they will give him will be more than he'll need and he won't have to lay there every day begging for a little time. Maybe he can take a break. And No, no, no telling what was going through his mind. But look what Peter said to him next. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I freely give to you. See, Peter didn't have any money. He was a disciple. He was a fisherman. He didn't have any money. He didn't have any means to give this guy a lot of money. But what they did have was given to them through Jesus Christ, the power to heal, the power to help this man. <clears throat> you know, I would have expected the lame man to complain about what they said. We don't have any money, man. Well, I would expect this guy to think, well, why are you even talking to me? Why are you looking at me if you're not going to give me some money? Sometimes that's the reply or response we get when we do talk to folks who are on the street or folks who come with need. He might even have thought, well, you don't care about me. You don't care about the situation I'm in. But the lame man didn't say that. He didn't say those things. So Peter said to the, these wonderful words to the man, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. Now, think about that for a moment. Those are some pretty powerful words to say to someone who's never walked. Rise up and walk. There's been some times when I've had knee surgeries and been in a wheelchair or been on crutches or been with my foot in a cast over there. Brother, how you doing, by the way? Good? Getting there? Okay. But I, I couldn't wait to, to get back out of, the, out of that wheelchair and get back on my feet and get back to going. And to have been crippled my entire life and then someone tell me, rise up and walk, man, that's astonishing. That's amazing. I wonder how this guy responded. Well, look, what, look how he responded. He didn't have time to do a whole lot because Peter grabbed his hands and he took his hands and he helped the man stand up. You know, that says a lot about Peter's faith. It says that he was willing to... to Go the extra mile, if you will. He could have just said, stand up and, and walk and just watched him do it. But instead, he put his money where his mouth is, if you will. He helped the man up and people saw that. The, the man saw that. And before long, he was taking a step. 
And boy, what a great image that must be for these disciples to witness the first great miracle there at the temple with this lame man. Peter said, what I do have I give to you. And he gave the lame man the power to walk in the name of Jesus Christ. In verses 7 through 10, we see how the lame man was healed. He was taken by the right hand, he was lifted up, and he was told, walk. And he did just that. Right after that, he attached himself to the disciples. That, that was a good move. These folks had just healed him, or helped him be healed in the name of Jesus, so it was a good thing to attach himself to them. And he immediately started using what God had given him. You know, God gives all of us different gifts and abilities and talents, and it's important that we use them in service for our Lord, not to bring glory to ourselves, but to direct that glory and honor to our, our Father in heaven. So he immediately started following them, and he began to walk and to jump and to shout. I'd have been trying to turn back clips, I guess, probably. I'd have been so excited. And then he went into the temple, and he began to praise God. And isn't that the order that we should go when we've been blessed? As we all have, we should praise God and thank God for what He's done for us. As I said, I often wonder how I would have responded to that. I have no idea, to be honest with you. It's amazing what God did in, in that story. The Bible goes on and tells us that all the people in the temple knew this lame man because he had been there forever. They saw him every day as they went to and from the temple. In fact, Acts 4.22 tells us he, he had been there for 40 years. He'd been crippled since he was born. People knew him and they were astonished to see him walking and jumping and shouting and praising God. I have the privilege of discipling a young man and he and I meet once a week or so or every couple of weeks over lunch after we've uh, done our discipleship session. And we talk about what we've learned and what we've seen. A couple of weeks ago we were talking about how the church really needs to be the church and how we are the church and how you are the church and that God has called us to, to make a difference in the lives of people. And he said one thing that he, he really misses in church, not necessarily floor, but in church in general, is the open and honestness that he found in a small group setting that he had at another church. He said you could walk into that setting and you didn't need to talk about football or holidays or weather or whatever. He said you went right to the core. You went right to whatever was going on in your life. If a couple was struggling, they began telling that. And the other group would come around them and pray for them. If someone had need, the group would talk about it and see what they could do to meet that need. And he, had, he said to me, I really wish that, that our church and life groups and Sunday schools and all the things that we do really allowed us to be open and honest about what's going on in our lives. You know, it's easy to say, hey, how you doing? I'm fine. How you doing? I'm fine. And go our way, but in reality, we're not all fine. There are a lot of things that we all struggle with and that we deal with, and, and sometimes it's nice to know we can find help in the church and have help in the church. It's interesting to see that, that the beggar at the gate, he was honest about his condition. He knew he needed help, and he cried out, and the Lord gave him way more than he had ever expected. As a church, shouldn't we be a place where folks could come for help? Shouldn't we be a place where we can help one another? Where we can be honest and open and not put on a mask? Say, I'm fine, I'm okay, when we're really not? 
I'm grateful for the opportunity to serve at First Floor, and I'm grateful for the staff because we're honest and open. We we tell it like it is, and we share what's going on in our lives, and we genuinely care for one another. And as a church, we too need to care that way for one another. Not that we don't, but that's just important as a as a body of believers that we open up and that we be honest. If we're struggling, if we're hurting, if we need help, let's help one another. That's what the church is supposed to supposed to do. You know, I receive weekly cries for help, uh, many from our community and some beyond, but the largest majority of them are from the trailer park, which is basically in the shadow of the church, just right over there, right back there. There's all kinds of needs over there, and I, I wanted to share, take a minute and share one of those needs that has had a good ending thus far, and we pray that God will continue that. Back in October, we had a young family, uh, brothers and sisters, come to the church one afternoon and they knocked on the door and came on in the conference room there and the staff, uh, those of us who were here gathered around them and listened to their needs and come to find out they had had to leave their home in New Orleans and come to Mississippi and it's a long story as to why that was the case but they had they had to get out of town and basically the only thing they had was the clothes on their back, what they were wearing. A couple of the girls, it was cold, a couple of the girls, uh, young girls were wearing socks and that was their shoes and bring shoes with them. One was wearing, one of the children were wearing their brother's shoes, which were way the wrong side. Anyway, there was a lot of need in, the, in that particular encounter. I wasn't sure what we were getting into. Brother John felt the same, and uh, we prayed with them and said, well, you know, it looks like you guys could use some clothes and maybe some food. So we took them to Walmart and, and uh, Yazoo, City, bought, Yazoo City, bought them a lot of clothes and got them, got them clothed and Come to find out they were living in a trailer with a bunch of other people. So there was about 16, 17 folks living in one trailer, which is unheard of. And it was, I don't know how they even did it, but they did. And for the longest, they, they survived that way. They'd come get food and we'd help them where we could. But right around Christmas, right after Christmas, a trailer opened up in that park that they were able to get. And they were so ready to get out of the home they were in with all those people that they moved into this new trailer without any electricity turned on yet. They wanted their own space. They wanted their own place, and I can understand that. Well, a couple of nights later, it got really cold, so the church took a generator over. We bought some space heaters. We got them warmed up, and since then, they've got their electricity on. I'm happy to say that the oldest of the children has a full-time job, and he's supporting his family, and I'm so thankful for that. Because of people in the church, the family is having their needs met and, and Foods on on their table and and stuff to eat out of and on and clothes and all those kind of things and it's just a great great thing to see God's people working this way in their lives. You know when God tells us to do something, we must be obedient. God told us that October afternoon these kids need help. It was obvious. I mean, big tears rolling down their eyes. No no other thing to do but help them. And it's been amazing to see how God has used this church and how God has brought people together to make it happen for them. That's why I'm really working on a, a, a trailer park ministry team. I, I see all kinds of needs over there. Miss Cindy sees all kinds of needs over there. Physical needs, spiritual needs, mental needs, some folks that need teaching and training and helping. You know, a lot of folks, they don't want to hand out. That. You know, they, they want to improve their lifestyle. They want to go to work. Nobody will hire them. They, they don't have a car, they don't have a license or whatever. But God is making a way over there. So we've decided 
Well, we've prayed about it a long time. We've decided to put a gate in between us and the, uh, the trailer park over near the Jones house. Uh, we have a gate that, there's a gate that runs parallel this way, and then there's a gate that runs down the side. Well, we own a part of the gate that runs down the side, and we contacted the landowners, the trailer park owners, and they said, yes, cut a hole in that gate, and yes, we will pay for it, and we're excited that you're wanting to minister over there. So that's just another affirmation that God's leading us in that direction. Maybe you would like to be a part of that trailer park team, a team that would go over and find out what needs are there, come and report back to the church and help us make that happen. Maybe you could pray for that team. Maybe you can be involved in, in any other ways. But there's a lot of things going on in that area that, that I really believe that is shouting to us, hey, I need help. I need help, church. I need help, people in the church at First Baptist floor. Please hear my cry. And we're, we're listening to that and we're, we're hoping that the God will lead us in that direction. If you'd like to be involved in that trailer park team, you can let me know at the end of the service or at some point and we'll get you, get you going. I've had the privilege of being involved in benevolent ministry for well over 20 years. I've seen a lot of things through those years and I'm thankful that God has allowed me to serve. But you know, it's awesome to see God's church come together and be the church to meet the needs of the folks who are right around us. If you think about it, God put this church here for a reason. It's not just a brick and mortar building standing here. It's here for a reason. It's here to impact this community and beyond. And we're all part of the church, and we're all called to do that. You know, I'm thankful that Jesus often turned His face towards needy people. There's a couple of passages I want to share with you as we close today. You can turn if you like, or you can look later. It's Luke 18, 35-43. I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to tell you about it. Here in this story, it's Luke 18, 35 through 43. In the story, Jesus was approaching Jerusalem and there was a blind man sitting by the roadside. And as this crowd went by, the blind man shouted to folks, what's going on? Why all the noise? And they said to him, well, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Well, the blind man began to shout with a loud voice, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. He just shouted again and again and again. And, and the folks who were leading the group kind of looked over at him and, and said, you need to be quiet, you need to hush. We don't have time for that. But as they told him that, you know what? He shouted even louder. Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. So Jesus stopped what he was doing. He went over to the guy and he asked him, he said, what do you want from me? And the guy said, I'd like to see. So Jesus said, because of your faith, because you demonstrated your faith, you will receive your sight. And as a result, he received his sight and he began to praise God and People that were around him saw what happened and they too began to praise God. It was a domino effect, if you will. Jesus shows us great love and compassion when he stopped what he was doing and where he was going to meet the need of this man who was shouting and yelling on the side of the road. I want to ask you a question this morning. Who do you think is at your gate today? Who is in your path or who is along your way as you go? Is anybody shouting to you, hey, I need help? You know of anybody like that? I think if we're honest, we probably all do. And if not, I, I pray that God will put that person in your path tomorrow and that you will see that there genuinely is a need and that we have an opportunity to help. Jesus has great love and compassion for those who are in need and for those who are hurting. You know, it doesn't matter where folks come from or what side of the track they live on or what color their skin is or what their needs may be. 
or if their need is even legitimate. If God tells us to be obedient and give and help, we must be obedient and give and help. That's what we must do. And that's what God has called us as a church to do. In closing today, well, let me share that other passage real quick and then I'll close. The last one is John 5, 1 through 10. This is a story about a crippled man who had been crippled for 38 years. And he was laid at a pool called Bethesda. And uh, there was a tradition there that when the angel came down and touched the water that whoever could get in would be healed. Well, the crippled man never had an opportunity to get in because he couldn't physically move himself into the pool. Well, it just so happened Jesus was going by. And Jesus learned of this man's condition. And he asked him, what would you like me to do for you? And he said, well, sir, I can't get in the pool. I'm crippled and everybody else goes in ahead of me. He said, I'd, I'd love to be able to walk. Well, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Walk. And again, another great example of how Jesus cared for the needy and cared for those. The last story I want to share with you is, is about to take place and will be what I will try to conclude with today, plan to conclude with today. Back uh, last year, we had an opportunity to go down to New Orleans and help Avondale Baptist Church. A lot of teams went out, did uh, a great thing there. God did a great thing there and allowed us to be a part of that. It's amazing to see God work and move in that situation. Still a lot of teams down there in New Orleans trying to fix Hurricane Ida mess relief. While we were trying to get a roof put on that church, we ran into an issue with getting a permit in the state of Louisiana. Imagine that, huh? Sorry. <laughs> we ran into a problem trying to get a permit, and we encountered a young lady named Veronica. Well, Veronica worked for the permit department, and she and I had many conversations. I sent tons of paperwork, which got rejected. I'd rescind it anyway. At the end of our conversation, several weeks, Veronica said, you guys are a church, huh? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, y'all help people? I said, well, of course we help people. I said, we're trying to help Avondale Church right now. She said, well, do you, do you just help churches and people in churches? I said, well, no, ma'am. We, we help anyone that God directs us to. She said, do you think you can help us, help me? And I said, okay, what did you need? Well, she, long story, she needed a roof put on her, on her house. A year earlier, her husband had uh, tragically died, and then six months after that, her oldest son died. So it was her and one youngest, younger son left in the household. Uh, she felt like... God had forgotten her and that life wasn't worth living and she struggled with that a lot and would often call me or text me telling me about that. Well, I kept telling Veronica, we're working at the church, we're working at the church, the next trip's at the church, the next month at the church. And she understood that and she understood that the church was our focus. To be honest with you, I was kind of turning my back on Veronica because God had prioritized the church and when we got through with the church, I thought, well, we're done in New Orleans. All right, we can get back to Florida and get back to doing what the church called me to do, which was be the discipleship pastor and all that. Uh, but Veronica continued to send texts, and she wouldn't, she wouldn't let it go. She wouldn't, she wouldn't stop. And it wasn't just her, it was God. I realized that. And, and I'm thankful that, that Veronica didn't give up, and I'm thankful that God didn't harden my heart towards that, and I'm thankful now for an opportunity for our church to go back. I'm telling you all this to tell you, we're going to go back in a couple of weeks and try to put a roof on Veronica's house, and I'm so excited about that. I'm so thankful that God, looks like God's going to make that happen. Uh, I shared in Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago how we didn't have uh, the money or the resources to put the roof on the house, but I had received a text that night that someone had already donated all the shingles. 
so the roof can be put on. It's just going to be manual labor. Uh, we're going to do our best to make that happen. We made this trip on a weekend for a reason. I know a lot of folks work during the week and you can't do mission trips, or we're going to be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So if you could go down for a day, half a day, a full day, a couple of days when you're off work and, and help this sweet lady, it would be greatly appreciated. Got five or six, seven guys going right now, and we're excited about what God's going to do there. You know, God puts people in our paths and in our lives for a reason, and Veronica is certainly one of those, and the folks in the trailer park are, are certainly one of those. And you know what? When God puts those people in our path and we get to serve them, it's quite an honor to do that. It's no great task. It's no great effort on our part. It's an honor to help people that God has placed in our path. We looked at several examples in the scripture of folks being healed, of how Peter and John healed and Jesus healed and helped. And that's what their ministry and their lives were all about. You know, that's what God has called us to be about, is to be about helping people and ministering to people. It's easy to pass judgment on people and look down on them and to think less of them because they beg or they have needs. But you know what? We all have needs. We all needed a Savior. And thank goodness we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We are all needy in many ways. But I'm thankful that God loves us and cares for us and has allowed us to come together as a church, as First Baptist Church floor, to make a difference here in our town and beyond, even in New Orleans in a couple of weeks. We're going to see God work and move and, and uh, do His thing, and we're going to be grateful and thankful to be a part of it. Today I want to ask you to think uh, seriously about who God has placed at your gate. Who has God put in your path? Who do you know that really has some needs that maybe you've ignored or looked the other way on? You know what? Even a smile and a hug, uh, a prayer, can go a long way, especially in a, in a very difficult time of need. Been there myself. I've had a lot of folks. I had a lot of angels unaware show up at my doorsteps and pray for me and encourage me or send me a card. You know, isn't that what the church is supposed to be doing? Absolutely. Well, thank you for letting me share this morning. Maybe you have a decision on your heart today that you'd like to share with our church. Maybe you're not a believer. Maybe you haven't ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Well, let me tell you, He loves you and He sent Jesus to die for you. And all you have to do is confess His name and believe in Him and then you can be saved. Be happy to tell you about that. Maybe you have another decision you'd like to share with our church family. As we get ready to have our time of invitation, I'd invite you to go ahead and stand. Brother Gil. <clears throat>